Put the phone on the spatula. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Okay, welcome to None of This is Real. The podcast for all things mysterious and weird. I'm Doomsday Demini. I'm Sarah Sinkhole. It's something's happening <laughs> inside my body. There? I don't know. <coughs> all right, I got it. <laughs> got something in your throat? I got a frog in my throat. Get it out of there. Ew. Anyway. Anyway. Hey. What's up? Hey. Nasty. Hey. Hey, 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 everybody. (laughs) If we sound like we have no will to live left, it's because (laughs) the past, I don't know, hour has been spent trying to figure out how the hell we're going to ever record a podcast again. And while you were figuring out all your technical difficulties, I was watching videos that horrified me and made me want to throw up. So Great. Great. So we're in a good headspace to do this mm. whole comedy podcast thing. <laughs> it's hilarious. I had to break into my parents' house to steal my dad's earbuds. <laughs> and then realized that the reason nothing was charging was because the power strip wasn't on. <laughs> and then Skype locked me out. Oh, what a... But we're here. We're here now. And that's what's important. What's important is that we're here with you now. And we're We're going to tell you you some weird stories. Yeah, man. That's what we do. Yeah, man. So did anything weird or mysterious happen to you besides all that stuff that you just said? Oh, God. Technology is a mystery and it's weird. But other than that, mm, yesterday was a pretty weird day because we went to an air show, which is like a you know, it's Lorenzo's thing. He's an airplane person. Airplane history nerd. History buff. Airplane nerd, history buff. And and Levon is into airplanes. So I was like, let's go. And last time, last time, every time we go, I'm having sort of an ongoing existential crisis because it's like, oh, pollution and oh, the military and oh, people in like, this time there were people in Luftwaffe uniforms, which no. if you don't know, are German fighter pilots. Yeah, Nazis. And I was like, I get that it's just, I don't, I get it's your thing, your history and whatever, but why is a 16-year-old pimple-faced white boy from the rural North Carolina dressed like that? Oh, God. But, you know, I go because it's it's like a family thing we could do together, and it's cool to watch airplanes fly. I mean, that's cool. And you get to be outside with your family. Yeah, but the crowd is not necessarily my crowd. <laughs> Sometimes being judgmental, but it's because I'm afraid of being judged. Um, So anyway, that was intense and fun. My dad went with us. And so that was the whole existential crisis afternoon in the beautiful sunshine. And there were positive interactions like with children and babies and nice people. I got to drink a hillbilly soda, hillbilly black cherry homemade soda. It was real good. Homemade soda, yum. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. And then we, my my son went to my sister's house to spend the night with my mom, and we were like, "Oh my god, a whole evening alone! Let's go see a movie." And Doctor Sleep is two and a half hours long, and we're old and tired, so we were like, "No, it's that's too late. We don't want to see that. Let's go see Jojo Rabbit, which I have been wanting to see really bad the whole time anyway, because I love Taika Waititi." And I wasn't, I knew it was supposed to be funny and like thought provoking or whatever, but I laughed so hard and then cried so hard. 
<laughs> it's super intense. And I don't care what anybody tells you. Don't listen to the critics. It's a great movie. Please watch it. It's so good. You will laugh and cry. So it was just a very intense day full of Nazis. <laughs> oh, my God. It was a lot. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot yesterday. Whew. That is a lot. I'm glad you made it. You're here on the other side with me. You were, I'm here I for made you it now. Through. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely weird. Well, so what weird thing happened to you? Or what weird thing are you going to tell me about, I oh, should say? God, I can't even decide. Um, I can't, like, half of the time I can only see your mouth. So I don't know. Is that I don't better? want you to have to. I don't, that's so much better. <laughs> How many chins do I have? Stay like that the whole time. Don't move. I think I'll get a cramp in my neck. Yeah, that'll <sighs> hurt. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, I was going to save this for the next one because it's longer, but I just had a really magical ass day yesterday. I don't know. Well, that's nice. I'll try to... We had very different days, it sounds we like. We did. We had really different days. I So I found a church that this is the last thing you'd ever think you'd hear me say. I found a church. But... Yep. I meant to go to it like a year ago because I found it when I first moved here. It's called Jubilee. And okay. it's not like a Bible church. It's like a everybody church. And so I was like, I'm going to try it. And it was funny because I went to this event. It was a fundraiser where <laughs> I read tarot cards for charity, essentially, for a good cause. That's fun. And yeah, it was really fun. And while I was there, I saw this guy that I knew from Ecstatic Dance, and I was like, oh, hey, yo, do you still go to dance or whatever? And he was like, oh, no, uh, my partner and I, we started going to Jubilee. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, he reminded me. Uh And that was Saturday. So then on Sunday, yesterday, I went. And it was fucking awesome. It was really, really cool. And one of the first things that happened was... They did some community announcements and this guy came up and he said, you know, everybody who wants to come to a sweat lodge later, come, it starts at three. And so I went, like on a whim, I went and did a sweat lodge, but I've been wanting to do one for a long time. It's been kind of a thing I wanted to do. And so all of a sudden, through a series of like random events and going places that I didn't necessarily need to go that day like hadn't planned I ended up doing a sweat lodge with this really amazing um Cherokee man who has been doing it for 50 50 years since he was 12 he's been pouring sweat lodges so wow I, I it was just magical like that's I'm so glad I just kept saying yes to different things <laughs> yesterday yeah I said yes to a bunch of things yesterday and I definitely had my own uh, existential uh, existential events, but it sounds like our days went in two different directions. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's how my day was. Nice. Real interesting. I didn't yeah, it expect it at all. I woke up thinking, oh, I'm going I'm to quick go try this church thing out, and I'm going to come home and do all my homework. And uh, that's not what happened. So. I don't want to do my homework, Mom. I want to go to a sweat lodge. <laughs> okay, mom. For some reason, that's that's made me think, and I'm gonna probably say the wrong person. I feel like it's a Bill Hicks bit where he says, um, "Smoking pot doesn't make you unmotivated; it just gives you perspective." Where you go, "Oh, none of that shit's important, so <laughs> I don't care about it anymore." It's not that I'm not motivated; I'm just way differently motivated. 
differently I mean, he motivated. It, he says it in a much better way because he's hilarious and um, amazing, but something like that. Yeah. But we're today we're talking about mysterious disappearances. Sometimes people just freaking vanish and you, we can't explain it. We have no answers. And so we both have a story about that today. Yeah. And this is not going to be like a true crimey kind of thing. At least not on my end. Mm-mm, no, mine either, really. It's just like, well, they're gone. Oops. Where'd they go? <laughs> Peekaboo. They're never coming back. Hold on. It's saying there's a poor connection and you're all glitchy looking. Can you hear Ooh, me? I'm just glitch. No, that's just how I really look. Oh, you're just a walking glitch. Ooh, I got all cold all of a sudden. All right. Ooh, that's creepy. You, you're glitching out over there and you got cold. It's a ghost. Your portal opened. Close it. Close the portal. I don't have time for this. <laughs> I asked you to close the portal when you leave. God. God bless America. Okay. That's what my mom used to say when we were kids. Or she would sing it if we, she was really annoyed and she didn't, couldn't cuss in front of us. She would just sing God bless America. So that's become my <laughs> expletive of choice. It sounds like I'm angrily blessing my country when I don't. Never mind. Nope. Not going to go there. Get <laughs> Climb off the toadstool, shh, quick, shh, quick, hush, get, get down. off the toadstool, tell a fucking story, it's what we're here for, okay. Oh, really quick, I forgot to wish my mom a happy birthday in the last episode, because we recorded it so early, I didn't realize it was going to fall on her birthday, but happy, happy belated birthday, mom. Happy belated birthday, Mimsy, I love you so much, you deserve some kind of uh, award or money for putting up with both your daughter and I. Some compensation <laughs> for... Compensation, that's the word, yes. <laughs> um, so oh. anyway, mysterious disappearances, go! <laughs> okay! <laughs> I'm, gonna st- I'm gonna tell you my sources, of course. <laughs> All right. Sustainedaction.org, an article called Looking for Dr. Grinberg by Sam Canones, maybe? Sorry, Sam. And from the New Age Journal, yosomos.wordpress.com by Tanya Grinberg, an art project from Art Basel, Miami, called The Man Who Disappeared by Francois Boucher, wikivisually.com, and of course, Wikipedia, 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 That's the remix. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my lanta. Okay. So, I am going to tell you about a man called Jacobo. I looked it up. Now I can't remember how to say his first name. It's J A C O B O. Jacobo okay. Grinberg Zilberbaum. Cool. Cool name. I'm just going to call him Grinberg. Okay. That's what he went by, Jacobo Grinberg. So I'm it reminds Grinberg. me of a town where everyone's grinning all the time. Welcome to Grinberg. Our cheeks are really in pain. Our faces are stuck like this. We look like a bunch of psychopaths. I I need need to cry. (laughs) I'm crying right now, but you can't tell. Anyway, Grinberg. Not the town, the man. Grinberg, Pennsylvania. Grinberg, Pennsylvania was a Mexican neurophysiologist and psychologist (laughs) who studied Mexican shamanism, Eastern disciplines, meditation, astrology, and telepathy through the scientific method and wrote more than 50 books about these subjects. This sounds like I my tried to... type of d- dude. 
Yeah, I know you're going to like this one. I tried to um, read some of his writings, but most of them are behind a paywall or in Spanish. And when you try to translate it, I've tr I translated or attempted to translate a lot of um, articles and stuff in Spanish. And I wanted to get information from them, but it was the translation was so bad. And there's so many big science words and like metaphysical terms that it just was like, nope, can't, sorry. Yeah. So I'm sure I missed out on some good sources because of that. Because Google Translate and everything else sucks butt. All right. So Grinberg decided, decided to study the human mind when he was 12 years old after his mother died from a stroke. Wow. Which is really sad. So that was the catalyst for the direction it took. And then after he, the first part of his career was basically studying scientifically the human mind and then it sort of shifted more towards consciousness and reality, more trippy stuff. So he founded a laboratory of psychophysiology at the Universidad Anahuac, which is a private university system grouped and administered by the Legion of Christ, which just sounds scary. <laughs> the Legion of Christ is a Roman Catholic religious institute whose founder was, this is my notes I'm reading, I should have probably edited it, um, was a fucking confirmed molester that was never defrocked or punished, so fuck that guy forever, and off the toadstool. So he was working, like it was funded by the Legion of Christ, which is a seriously Catholic institution, so I'm confused as to why they would want him to, I don't know, maybe, I feel like all powerful groups are always like s secretly studying the occult and paranormal stuff. Maybe. The Nazis loved that shit. Anyway, so in 1987, Grinberg founded the National Institute for the Study of Consciousness, which I also have here in Spanish, which I said out loud to myself so many times. I said, forget it. I'm just going to say it in English so no one wants to punch me. So Jacobo's Grin Grinberg's explanation of reality was a combined theory of Eastern philosophy, science, magic, and quantum, quantum physics. physics. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one of his ideas I wanted to talk about uh, has it refers to the thought experiment we talked about a couple weeks ago, the ship of Theseus or the river question. Yeah. So his idea is the essence of our personality relies in the content, not in the container. When we think about a river, we tend to see one river as a permanent body of water. However, what we call river is only a continual repetition of patterns concentrated in a particular space. The water is flowing, moving constantly, changing, and is never the same. So his whole thing was trying to change the way that the relationship between science and consciousness is understood. And in doing so, he put his reputation as a scientist in danger because he tried to use the scientific method to study shamanism and... You know, there's some uptight scientists out there who are like, that's not what we do. That's not a thing. That's awesome. Though. But it's I like, even it. if you don't believe in what the person is studying, don't you think there could be a benefit from studying it? When was he born? Uh, you know what? I don't know. I don't even have that. This is like a while ago, right? He he started his, inst his uh, what do you call it? The Institute of Study of Consciousness in 87. Okay. So... <laughs> In a we previous life, you and I were lovers and we had a child and that was our child together because it was <laughs> the love of science and the love of all things mystical combined. That was our baby. 
That was our baby. She and I were born in 82, so we passed away. You said his mother passed away when he was 12, so. When he was 12, yeah. I I couldn't find that much about him, like I said, because a lot of the articles in English are just like, here's what they're talking about his studies and his work and his disappearance. I'm sure it said it on Wikipedia, but I didn't get it. I didn't do it. So. Hmm. Yeah, it's a lot. So he came up with a theory, which is called the Synergy Theory, which is like, I think a combination of Synergy and, oh, I'm forgetting. Anyway, doesn't matter. So it states that there is a continuous space of energy and the common human can only perceive a part of it, which is nothing new. Lots of people have thought that, I'm sure. But the result of this process is what everyone understands as reality. Um, So it's basically like, what is real? That's what his theory is, I guess. God, he would have loved our podcast. I would hope so. Maybe he's out there somewhere still listening to it right now. Oh, yeah, maybe. Hello, hello, our child. That's weird. So (laughs) this theory was born out of his work with a woman called Barbara Guerrero, who is a Mexican psychic and healer known as Pachita. All right, here's where we're going to get into some science turds, because while I always say I respect people's beliefs and whatever, you know I have an issue with a lot of things people put forth as like a cure or a, a, a solution to a problem when it could be harmful in some mm-hmm. way. So I'm oh, like yes. so immediately skeptical, especially if you want money for that weird thing. So Pachita performed psychic surgery, which if you don't know is some, in my opinion, woo woo, where a practitioner creates the illusion of performing surgery with their bare hands and uses trickery, fake blood, and animal parts to convince the patient that the disease lesions have been removed and then the incision spontaneously heals. Have you ever okay. seen this? I don't like that. Yeah, it is basically what you, I've seen. I remember watching stuff about this when I first had access to the internet and I was going down all the weird rabbit holes I could as fast as possible. And James Randi talks about it. He actually did it on television to prove that it's just sleight of hand because he's not, he's a skeptic. That's his whole thing. He did thing. a psychic surgery? He did. He performed a quote unquote psychic surgery where it looked like he stuck his hand inside a person's body, pulled out a gross looking, whatever it was, tumor, and then closed them up. And it looks like that's what he does. And when people, I've seen people who claim to be actually doing it. And that's exactly what it looks like, too. Like, it's pretty gruesome. And people still do it today. Like, yeah. Wow. So, like I said, James Randi. Did it also Chris Angel? Remember Chris Angel? Mind Freak? Yeah. (laughs) He performed psychic surgery using fake blood, plastic bags, and chicken livers. Penn and Teller also demonstrated how to do it in one of their movies. So basically, the trick is, if you believe it's a trick, uh, you you stick your hand on the person's body, and you roll and pinch the skin over your fingers, sort of. So when your flattened hand reaches under the roll of skin, it looks like you are sticking your hand into their body. Hmm. Then there would be some sort of pellet or bag of animal entrails, which would be palmed in your hand, and then you would pretend to pull that out. Sometimes they even replace 
and this is what Pachita did, she, she would replace the diseased organ or tissue with healthy tissue that seemingly appeared out of nowhere. Um, and, but there are some uh, Brazilian surgeons, at least one Brazilian surgeon, surgeon in quotation marks, who cuts, who actually cuts his, the people. I'm so grossed out by all of this. So Pachita would go into a trance during which the spirit of Kahutemuk, the nephew of the great Aztec ruler Moctezuma, occupied her consciousness. Through the spirit, Pachita would cure people. She performed successful surgeries, according to Grinberg, without anesthesia, using a, quote, rustic mountain knife. She mm. replaced diseased organs with others that appeared out of thin air. So Grinberg came to the conclusion that her ability to heal was the result of a combination of two different realities due to the presence of a neuronal field surrounding our brains, as well as the presence of a lattice of space-time. What? Yeah, that's what I said. Huh? Huh? I like the thought of it, the lattice of space-time or whatever, but I'm not convinced about all the rest of it. Right. I like that, too. I like the phrase, the lattice of space-time. All right, so further studying the human brain's ability and reality, he designed an experiment using two people with electrodes attached to their skulls. So they were, they put them in a dark room and they were told to try to achieve a sort of meditative union. After 20 minutes of that, they took one to a separate room and the remaining person was then quote, stimulated with a series of light flashes or sounds while their brain waves were being measured. And they were still measuring the brain waves of the other person in isolation as well. So according to Grinberg, he re- re- recorded the first time a simultaneous reaction to the stimuli on the part of the isolated, non-stimulated person, a phenomenon he called transferred potential. So basically he's saying that the person who wasn't seeing the lights or hearing the sounds had activity in their brain to indicate that they were experiencing it. So. Interesting. So... Um, a lot of his Mexican colleagues were like, no, no, dude, <laughs> we don't believe you. And they also th- they said, how coincidental that the results happened to support a theory he had already believed was true. And that maybe he was measuring interference caused by the machines. Um, e. Roy John, whoever that is, because I didn't put it in my notes, whoops, um, sorry, said of this experiment, the kinds of tests to which such data should be subjected are well known. He certainly knew what those tests were and never applied them. I think, I don't think he has a dishonest bone in his body, but he certainly had a lot of wishful thinking, Hmm. which, you know, like a lot of scientists, that's the problem with science is that you can't have any preconceived ideas when you go into the experiment. You have to be like, I have to look at this completely subjective and humans fucking suck at doing that. Yeah. It would be cool if there were some people who were into like the more mystical side of things and studied shamanism and things like that who could like hire a scientist or work with a scientist who is totally non-biased and be like, okay, could you just run this experiment? I'm really curious. Could you go do this experiment for me? I won't. I'll look look at it all wrong. Yeah, no, I mean, I think... I think you have it, it at the very least, you know, knowing that humans cannot just see something for what it is without their preconceived notions clouding everything. You would have to have an equal team of like believers and skeptics. Do you know what I mean? 
yeah. people on both ends of the spectrum to look at it together and make an effort to be like, okay, I was mm-hmm. wrong. Yeah. Be hard. Whatever. Okay. That's what we're, that's what we're doing. Cause just, we're scientists. That's exactly what we're doing. Well, I'm Aristotle. <laughs> that's right. You're the, I'm scientist. the ship of Theseus. I'm Aristotle and you're, um, who's that, that biologist or whatever you have a crush on? <laughs> Oh, do you mean the guy who's always talking about cryptids? Yes. Darren Nash. Darren Nash. Darren Nash. Is that his name? I don't have a crush on him. You always tell me I have a crush on everybody. <laughs> so I feel like we're in middle school again. You look at that guy. You like him. <laughs> don't look at him. Don't look at him. He's looking at you. Oh, my Lord. Okay. So there were, of course, yet others who were excited by the results of these experiments. Amat Goswami, a physics professor at the University of Oregon and an advisor to Grinberg, said the experiment seemed very good. They established that there are non-local connections between brains, between people. Carl Prebrum? Prebrum? Sorry, Carl, but your last name is kind of funny. One of the deans of American neuroscience, along with E. Roy John. Oh, there he is. He's a dean. You're welcome. Okay. Was sufficiently intrigued to come down to the unam lab twice and he found the experiments interesting but inconclusive he says if it's true what he's finding it could be very very important but i think his work needs a lot of confirmation and testing in other laboratories which is science that's what you do you can't just say it worked once we figured it out so beyond his science experiments uh there were rumors that he had learned to levitate several people Everyone I heard talk about it or write about it were like, I heard from other people that he levitated Mm -hmm. Um, and also was able to make his presence felt elsewhere from where he was standing, whatever that means. Very long distance fart. He goosed me from across the street. It was really rude. So he wrote a letter to a colleague about a place called Amotlin, and he said that Amotlin has the right conditions to be an interdimensional portal because of ferrite or ferrite as one person said in the video um in under the ground which apparently are conducive to brain development is conducive to brain development this element ferrite so in the video slash art project i watched called the man who disappeared there are some things said that really appeal to me like the importance of communing with nature and that our current society has caused us to lose our sense of what it means to be human materialism is detrimental to humans i i agree with all of that but all the talk of controlling weather and turning into eagles and psychic surgery makes me not surprisingly very skeptical so that was just a very i'm sure there was so many more things he wrote about and talked about but it was very it was a lot of language that was making my brain hurt so i'm now i'm gonna talk about his disappearance so on december 12th 1994 His family had prepared a birthday party for him for his 48th birthday. So if you want to do math, you can figure out what year he was born. But he he didn't show up to the party. And but apparently that was like a thing he did. He would just spontaneously travel and not answer his phone for days. So they were like, oh, well, but I think such a Sagittarius. I think um, not showing up for your birthday party is a little more than not answering your phone for a couple days. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they I guess it was so normal that they were like, oh, okay, he's just doing something crazy. They figured out that no one had seen him since the 8th, which is four days earlier. 
and then they were like, okay, maybe there is something happening. Although it took months, I think, for them to really think he was gone. And because of the things he studied and the kind of person he was, there are, of course, many conspiracies surrounding his disappearance. So it has been speculated that NASA or the CIA kidnapped him after the U.S. military became interested in his research on the relationship between metaphysical worlds and humans and wanted to seize his work. Hmm. Okay, yeah. So I can see that. the government of the United States. Um, it's also been speculated that he was kidnapped by the KGB. Okay, another government. Government, government. Um, he could be just hiding within an indigenous community in Mexico because he's like, I'm done with all that. I'm good. It's too much, y'all. Fuck birthday parties. I'm going into hiding. Yeah. <sighs> time isn't real. So just it's the lattice of space and time. I'm not 48. I am immortal. I am infinite. Goodbye. Bye. Okay. <laughs> it could be. This is good. You ready? It could be that he dematerialized into the Matrix. There is also some who speculate that his Grinberg's wife, Teresa, was involved in his disappearance because she was the last person to see so- him. I thought he was married to that Barbara lady. No, no, that was that just did the psychic surgery. They weren't married. No, they were collaborating. Yeah, he just studied her for okay. science. His they had wife a was a different scientific lady. marriage, if you will. Oh, I see. She was his science wife. This is my science wife, Barbara. <laughs> this is my earthly wife, Teresa. All right. So, so she was the last person to see him. There is a record that she used some strange explanations to cover up his absence through December. When they got married, she was 38, and she desperately wanted children. He was 47, and just as desperately did not. So they had a daughter in 1971. (laughs) (laughs) They compromised. Yeah, that's a real good compromise. So it sounds like their relationship was a little fraught. I don't know what the word would be. Yeah. That's a good word. So at first she said he had gone to a place called Campeche. I don't know where that is. Um, And then the day after he the day after his last sighting on the eighth, on December 9th, she exchanged a check for a thousand dollars and then asked the caretaker of their country home not to show up because Grinberg had gone to Guadalajara, which is a different place than she said the first time. On Christmas Eve, she was supposed to. It was the day they were supposed to go to Nepal together, her and Grinberg. Teresa appeared at the house with another woman, picked up some cooking utensils, clothing, and her dog, and then left. Five days later, she told the landlord, who was renting an apartment in Mexico City, that she was leaving, even though their uh, lease wasn't up. And in the following five months, no one knew where she was until May of 1994, when she appeared at the house of her aunt, who lived in Tijuana. There she spent two weeks and then also disappeared. What? Yes, and apparently his family didn't even know that they were married. Some family members didn't even know they were married. It wasn't, they never announced it to their families. Hmm. Yeah, so that's super weird and sketchy. All of those things. Well, I have one question. Okay. What happened to the dog? Is the dog okay? Yeah, I'm sure the dog was the fine. dog make it? Yeah. yeah, I have in my notes right here, that little dog is living on a farm with a bunch of other dogs. It's very happy. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> I believe that. Oh, that's funny. Okay, so there are rumors that indicate the police in the town of Morelos, where they had their country house, had found two corpses in a state of decomposition, but they had received money to hide the discovery. 
which I believe because everybody's shady. Sure, why not? Sounds reasonable. A quote from a police officer. I do not have a body. I do not have blood. I do not have a trace. I don't know. Hence, it is really a question of what you want to believe. The evidence shows that the wife is a fugitive. She could be in the United States. I suppose there is something wrong with all this and that she knows something about it. If he is dead, alive, or kidnapped, it is another matter. So real helpful. So she might have had something to do with the disappearance. It sounds like the police thought so. Another idea they mm-hmm. had, and this was a rabbit hole I went down and then deleted, so don't worry, um, was about his Grinberg's involvement with Carlos Castaneda, who, if you don't know, is an author who wrote a bunch of books about his training in shamanism with a group of people in Mexico. They relate his experiences under the tutelage of a man named Don Juan Mattis. Critics have suggested they are works of fiction, while supporters claim the books are either true or, at the very least, a valuable work of philosophy. So their relationship was very complicated. Um, like a, quote, turbulent mixture of restless minds and powerful egos, which sounds like a dangerous mixture. Mm-hmm. Grinberg once wrote of his admiration for the reclusive author, saying that Castaneda... I think it's Castaneda. Well, there's an E. I don't know. Castaneda. Had influenced his thinking with regard to shamanism. In 1991, Grinberg, his wife, and a man called Tony Karam visited Castaneda at the latter's invitation in Los Angeles. There, Karam says, Castaneda proposed that Grinberg leave his lab to live in his community, and Grinberg declined. Their relationship disintegrated during a trip Castaneda took to Mexico two years later. Grinberg's friends and family remember him frequently calling Castaneda an egomaniac, more interested in power than truth. They also recall that Grinberg's wife remained enamored with Castaneda and his group. Students remember her speaking of her friendship with um, associates of Castaneda's. So, I don't know what that would be going on there, but... So, Grinberg was friends with Carlos Castaneda. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and then not friends. His wife. With afterwards. Had had a thing for him, maybe, possibly. Uh, I think she just had a, a thing for his community that he had built. Yeah. Tony Karam it says, it's a line of investigation. Um, it's a very strange world. Talking, He's talking about Castaneda's group of... Castaneda's community. It's a very strange world. People who go into that group tend to sever ties with the rest of the world. Nobody knows about them anymore. Still, I've talked to them about this many times, and they repeatedly say they don't know anything about it. They seem to be very sad about it, too. Police say there is no evidence to say that he or his wife are in Castaneda's community, and through a spokesperson in Mexico City, Castaneda has declined to comment. So those are all the possible things that could have happened to him. From the banal... So maybe they ran away with him. Yeah. They ran away with Castaneda, or she killed him, or they both died, and those were the bodies found. Yeah, or he dematerialized, or he's hiding from everyone. Or he was captured by the KGB. Or the CIA. the CIA. Or NASA. It was NASA. NASA or the CIA, yeah. (laughs) Damn it, NASA! God damn it, NASA. So, the Grinberg case is one that fuels all kinds of speculation. About the only limitation on the possibilities is that friends and family all agree Grinberg would have never voluntarily left his work or his daughter without explaining why. So, in some people's opinion, that negates the theory that he's with communing with shamans or gurus somewhere. But 
pretty much everything else is worth considering. So I have one question for you after all of that. Oh boy, what is it? Is any of that real? Uh, no, I have my own theory that I've developed course, over the course of your story. Of course you do. <laughs> what is it? I can't wait. Okay, you said you said he he thought that there was a, a place. What was it? You said that there was like an island or... No, it's a city um, in Mexico that had the potential to be a portal. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. Okay, yes. so I think... Amatlan. A-M-A-T-L-A-N. Amatlan. He went to Amatlan, and he, so maybe he went, and maybe uh, maybe he didn't access the portal right away, and his wife joined him for a time, and she went to get the dog. <laughs> Look, if we're going through a portal, I'm taking the dog with us. Not my daughter, but the dog, <laughs> and some clothes, and cooking utensils. Well, it depends on how old the daughter was. Like, if the daughter's of age, she doesn't need to, like, maybe she go didn't down want the to portal go. with them. Yeah. Yeah, maybe she I think Teresa was just like, look, they might not have a spatula over there in the other dimension, so I'm taking mine, okay? Yeah, that's right, and the dog. They might not have dogs. Or spatulas. I would take my dog. Anyway, so I think that they went, and uh, they did access the portal, and they were gone for a long time in the ether, whoever, wherever you go in a portal. And they've <laughs> since come out on the other side, and it's unreported, of course, it's, it's a big secret, but now they've rematerialized in the Denver airport. Oh no, not the Denver airport. That's my theory. I'm sticking to okay. it. <laughs> Always got to have a theory. I like to have my own <laughs> version of reality over here. Me too. I'm going to my theory is that the KGB, CIA, NASA, and his wife all wanted to get him at the same time and he either they all succeeded and it was like a big shootout in a movie they were like we're all after you you asshole or he was just like i'm gonna go hide over here with these people who don't give a shit about stuff and capitalism that sounds like more yeah, fun he could <laughs> he could be hiding with just he could just be enjoying life with a group of people living off the land or something listen grinberg if you're out there listening um your just email the us. reincarnation of your parents want you to know that we still love you and you can talk to us about anything yeah you can tell us you can email us we won't trace your email or anything like that we'll just you know keep it between us and, and our, our turkey buzzards yeah <laughs> okay now you tell me a spooky story about people disappearing oh my gosh okay so that one i liked yours because um I'm really interested in people who study all those things. This one that I'm about to tell you is very creepy. It creeped me out. So it's broad daylight while I'm researching this and I'm like getting creeped out and Puck was growling at nothing and I was just like, oh my God, stop it. You're, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it would creep you out. I feel like we switched it up this this episode where I talked about someone you're into and you talk, you're going to talk about something. Well, yeah. I don't know. We both talk about spooky we're, shit. We're both into it. Yours had some science. That's true. Um, but yeah, I of course watched a YouTube video that was just like had creepy music in the background. You gotta and stop I, doing I, that. So scared. Okay, so my sources were Atlas Obscura, um, a Mental Floss article called "The Mystery of the Missing Keepers at Flannan Isles Lighthouse" by Caitlin Schneider, <laughs> a YouTube video by Dark Histories <laughs> Why called. Are you Dark histories. What? I'm just laughing at like you picked the spookiest one to watch. I bet. 
You goof. It's a, it's a spooky video, and the music is like, and the music and the guy's voice are just like super spooky. Oh my gosh. Um, it's called Eileen e- Moore, The Missing Lighthouse Keepers. So those are my sources. Now I'm going to tell you about the Flannan Isles Lighthouse Mystery. Mm. And first, I'm going to tell you about the island of Eileen Moore, a tiny island off the coast of northwestern Scotland. It is shrouded in mystery and superstition, and at just 43 acres, it is the largest of several small islands that make up the Flannan Isles. So 43 acres is not that big. Not really, no. It's uh, tiny As far as an island is concerned, yeah, that's pretty teeny. The cliffs on all sides drop 150 to 200 feet straight down to the sea below. That is a nightmare. uh, It is around... What's that? I said that's a nightmare. That's a nightmare. It's and it's very rocky and cold and it's about sixty miles from the coast of mainland Scotland, so it's extremely isolated. Oh god, I hate it already. Yep. Yep. I do not want to go. Thank you very much. Nope, nope. There are three buildings on the island. A lighthouse, a living quarters for the lighthouse keepers, and a small and primitive stone chapel that was once called the Blessing Chapel. Oh, that adds to the and creepiness. This, if you look up, look up a. We'll have to post a photo of this chapel. It doesn't look like a chapel. It's like a stone hut, and it's. If you think of it as a chapel, it's. I don't know. Spooky, it's very creepy. Yeah. So the chapel was dedicated to Saint Flannan, an Irish missionary. Missionary. Miss. <laughs> oh no! What's happening? Missionary. I can't read. Oh, <laughs> no. I can't, I've got to go. Oh, an Irish. I think it's because the word Irish and the word missionary both have an SH sound. Irish but there's missionary. <laughs> Irish. St. Flannan, an Irish missionary. <laughs> I'm going to move on. You, you, it, we, he was we get one it. of the last... He was one of the last known people to occupy the Isle in the 7th century. So this was a long-ass time ago that this this stone chapel is old as fuck. No. Burn it down. Knock it over. So, though the island has been uninhibited, uninhabited, (laughs) it's uninhibited. It's just out there going crazy. Woo! Come check out these 43 acres of terrifying cliffs and freezing cold temperatures. Ow! Oh, baby! I'm putting it all out there. I got a creepy church. <laughs> you won't know what hits you. Come on. Come and get you some. <laughs> okay. Wow. The island has been uninhabited, <gasps> which is a completely different yes. word, um, ever since. And there are historical accounts of residents from the mainland, Scotland, making pilgrimages to Eileen Moore. I keep wanting to say Eileen. It's not Eileen. Come on, Pilgrimages <laughs> to Eileen Moore to raise sheep, collect eggs, quills, fowl, and down. So okay. when the weather was right, when the weather was nice, these people from the mainland would come out and harvest things from the island and raise sheep. So the people who made the pilgrimage were said to treat the island as if it were almost supernatural, observing several superstitions and rituals. So if the wind changed directions after setting sail for the island, they would immediately turn around and go home. Oh my God, I bet it took forever to get out there. Did you feel that? Was that a breeze or was that, are you breathing on me? Turn around, turn around. I don't know. Someone's breathing on me. It doesn't matter. 
abort the mission. Uh, yeah, seriously. So when they arrived on the island, finally, after all that, the crews of boats would remove their hats and head to the ruins of the chapel. They would remove the upper layers of their clothing and pray. And they did this every morning before foraging and working. Okay, I'm sorry. These people sound insane. If the wind blows a different direction, you have to turn around. Now go in that creepy stone building in your underwear and pray. Nope. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I don't know if it was their underwear, but it said the upper layers of their clothing. So maybe it's just their coats off. I got my titties out for Jesus in this stone church. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) Sorry, I'm still uninhibited over here. (laughs) Um, They also, they had a strict code for how animals were to be killed on the island. And so they said that even um, if they brought newer people who were just making the pilgrimage for the first time, they would have to be under the tutelage of an, an elder almost okay. to, uh, to perform these rituals and things. It's just some weird spooky shit. <laughs> it's, it is. It makes it way more spooky. So it, in the, one article said even those who never prayed were moved to worship while on Eileen Moore. Um, so many people considered Eileen Moore to have an indef- indefinable aura that could not be ignored. Just like us. We are a mysterious, cold, and isolated island. Uninhibited and isolated island. With our tits out for Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. So, in 1899, the Isles Lighthouse was first lit... And almost exactly one year later, three men disappeared without a trace. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. So, like I said, Eileen Moore is a completely uninhabited island, meaning no one lives there. Yep. But in the year 1900, when our story takes place, three men lived on the island, and they were the keepers of the lighthouse. The three men were Thomas Marshall, James Ducat, and Donald MacArthur. On December 26th of 1900, a boat called Hesperus approached the island of Eileen Moore. Captain James Harvey was the captain of Hesperus, and he was tasked with delivering supplies and a relief lighthouse keeper as part of a regular rotation. So this guy, his name was Joseph Moore, Joseph Moore was um, a fourth lighthouse keeper, and he was supposed to go and relieve one of the other lighthouse keepers. Okay. Whoever looked like they were on the verge, closest to the brink of insanity. <laughs> yeah, that, that person t- would You get, get to go home, in. bud. Another vessel had passed on the 15th of December and had noticed that the light was not in operation. So as the Hesperus headed out on the 26th of December or arrived on the 26th of December, they knew something wasn't right because another ship had already reported that the lighthouse was out um, about 10 days before and or 11 days before. And the Hesperus was delayed as uh, because of bad weather. So they didn't get out there as quickly as they wanted to. They had to turn around like four times. <laughs> they had to turn around four times because the wind changed. <laughs> Anyway, they finally got there. Um, James Harvey, this um, Joseph Moore guy and the crew, they finally arrived. And it was clear that something was awry. Well, they already knew something was awry because the light hadn't been on. 
but none of the normal preparations at the landing dock had been made either. Normally, there would be a flag indicated that a relief, indicating that a relief vessel was coming, but there was no flag. Um, there were no provision boxes left out for restocking, and none of the keepers came to greet the Hesperus. Ooh. So the keepers, upon further inspection, were not on the island at all. All three of them had vanished. That is chilling. What the fuck? So these guys were um, veteran light keeper, lighthouse keepers. Like they had all done it before, and they had all. Um, I think at least Donald MacArthur, the third guy for sure, had worked at sea a lot. They were kind of these tough guys. Yeah, I mean, I think and, it would have or, to or be light. tough to be able to do that job. It sounds like yeah, or and they were at least experienced, even if they weren't quote unquote tough, but they were experienced, right? Um. And so what the Hesperus crew did find at the lighthouse was a set of perplexing clues. <laughs> perplexing clues, huh? <laughs> yes. Oh, you made me snort right in the microphone. I leaned in for that one. You're welcome. Ooh. Okay, so what were the clues? Perplex me. So the replacement lightkeeper, Joseph Moore, he went up to investigate and he said... First of all, that he felt an all-encompassing sense of dread as he ascended the cliff. Um, at inside, he found that kitchen table contained plates of food that weren't and eaten. Um, the clock had stopped okay. because Nobody this was back it. in the day when you had to wind a clock, right. so it had it had been stopped. Um, there was an overturned chair nearby. The lamp was ready for lighting, and there were two of the three oilskin coats belonging to um, the three men. So one man had run out without a coat, which would be very unusual considering the weather. Okay. And yeah. this is, I mean, this is December in the middle of the sea north of Scotland, right? So, like, it's not warm. Put your coat on, sweetie. It's terrible out there. <laughs> And another thing, too, was that the doors were all secured and, the, and locked. Or not locked. The, do, the doors were all, like, shut and secure. Okay. They, nothing was, like, left open or anything like that. So, very strange scene he came upon. So, not only did one guy leave without his coat, which was weird. Another question was why they would have all left together. Because the rules forbade that. You, you could never all three leave the lighthouse. One person always had to be watching the light and looking out uh, for ships and things like that. The other two would either you know, rotate between resting and different chores and cooking and stuff like that, repairs, etc. Gotcha. So something unusual must have drawn them out. Um, so when Moore returned with his report, Captain Harvey had the island searched and the hunt came up empty. Nobody was ever no one was ever found they never found any bodies nobody's ever washed ashore nothing um so they looked at the lighthouse log book and found new confusing details oh no um on here we go let's go into the log book on december 12th an entry from marshall described severe winds the likes of which i have never seen before in 20 years oh gosh he wrote that Ducat had been quiet and MacArthur had been crying, uh -oh. which 
that people say would have been odd behavior for a man with a reputation um, such as MacArthur because he was known as a, a tough and experienced seafarer and he was off he was also known as a violent guy so odd that he would have been sitting crying. and crying yeah well you know maybe yeah. he was in touch with his feelings don't judge y'all yeah i mean it's <laughs> fine for a guy to cry we know that now but back in the day that is fucking scary or 1900 one guy's been quiet the other one's crying doesn't that sound like like i don't just ah, i don't like it when you're all stuck in a lighthouse together and it's gloomy and cold and you can't really go anywhere. That motherfucker was just depressed. It sounds like a recipe for depression. Well, and that's why they would rotate out because people couldn't stay for very long. So anyway, um, the next day, so this is from December 13th, 1900, uh, Marshall reported more storm details and he wrote that all three of them had been praying um, and, and other people thought this was odd behavior because they were well-seasoned lighthouse keepers. They were in a brand new, supposedly safe lighthouse, but they were praying. He said he, the, what, he said the winds were so bad, like nothing he'd seen in 20 years. I mean, that would be cause yeah. enough to be freaked out and pray. Yeah, it would be weird. It would be really scary if you were up there in a lighthouse too. Yes. So um, another really strange thing was that there were no reported storms in that area. Um, from December 12th, 13th, or 14th. Um, All other records show that it should have been calm up until December 17th in that area. So, you know, they didn't have the equipment we have today, so maybe it just wasn't accurate, but it's still a strange detail. Yes. The last report in the logbook from December 15th read, Storm ended, sea calm, God is over all. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. So they made it through the storm. Yeah. December 15th, um, yeah, last day that an entry was made in the lighthouse log. It mentioned damage to the equipment, uh, some bent stairway railings, some displaced rail tracks, which they had these little rail tracks from when they had built the lighthouse. And this provided evidence that something went wrong even prior to the disappearance. So I guess there was a storm. It just appears that there was a storm. But the men made it through the storm. Right. So the most likely explanation of the disappearance is that they went down to fix something the afternoon of Saturday, December 15th okay. to fix some sort of damage from the storm and that an unexpectedly large wave had come up on the island and swept them away. It just it doesn't make sense that they would have all three gone because they knew better. Unless maybe one guy went down there to fix stuff. And then he'd been there for a minute, and the second guy was like, I'm going to go check it out. And put his coat on and went down there. And then there's one third guy sitting at the table waiting for them to eat, and he hears something that makes him just, like, run out the door to go. Like, maybe they're like, help us, oh, God! And he runs out there without his coat, and they all get swept away. Yeah, there maybe. are some theories that are similar to that where like oh two people were out there or one person was out there and then something happened and this, you know or the, the second guy came back and got the third guy and he rushed out without his coat that explains um, the chair overturned at the table and the coat yeah not being there i guess it doesn't explain why all of the doors and gates were um secured you could throw the door shut and maybe it would latch but um the other the other weird thing is that if someone was swept away by a wave it's very unlikely that there would be two such waves. And so I, d- I looked um, 
Rogue waves of up to 95 feet have been recorded in oceans all around the world. Um, but the men were 150 to 200 feet up on the cliffs. So that's not common. Like the highest waves are typically 95 feet. Um, there are, however, some reports of higher waves around Eileen Moore. So that makes they sense can because get the higher. water is like crashing into a straight up cliff face on all sides. The ocean terrifies me for these reasons. It's fascinating. It's yeah. beautiful. I love it. But I'm also very scared of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, the most likely is some something happened with a rogue wave, but they would have all had to be out there at the same time because it's it's super unlikely that two rogue waves would happen. Right. Maybe it was one of those, like, like that. terrible moments where you just happened to, like, what, the first guy got injured real bad and the second guy went to get the third guy and was like oh my god hurry up so and so's hurt and they ran out there and then the wave came just like a series of shit things happening a series of Mm -hmm. unfortunate events if you will so the lack of bodies um and the it says every everyone says the supposedly calm conditions but they reported storming so i don't know i think that to me i just think that's inaccuracy of equipment or something where there was a little storm around anymore it it said there was damage to the outside of the lighthouse and other things right so yeah it had to happen some it had to be those those things are weird and then the sheer experience and know-how of the lighthouse keepers um this it makes it all really strange how they would have disappeared yeah so here are some theories (laughs) nice UFOs. Oh, of course. They're abducted by aliens. Of course, yeah. That's <laughs> okay. what happened. These are proposed theories by people on the internet. They're not mine. Oh, internet theories. The best kind. Internet theories. Okay, here's the next one. Sea monsters. Yes. Okay, I like that were... one. A big old sea okay, serpent you know. came up and just ate them up. Just, just, mm, that was a tasty snack. Okay. Here, you'll like this one, too. They were carried away by a giant seabird. Wow, like an albatross or something? What? Yeah. Okay. You're my babies now. Uh, They were abducted by spies. Sure, why not? So, like your guy, we we have one theory in common. Oh, God. Unless they dematerialized. No, maybe they dematerialized. Let's add that to the Maybe there's an interdimensional portal on Eileen Moore. Maybe. You never know. Here's here's one more, and it's more likely. It's a little more plausible. MacArthur, like I said, that's the the guy who was known for being a little bit violent. Yeah. He had that reputation, so some people speculate that a fight broke out among the three of them, and that you know they went over a cliff. Maybe a series of being pushed. Maybe a series of, um, I don't know. I mean, there I, there was no evidence of. There was no blood or any right. evidence of struggle, murder, but if it all happened outside, maybe it all happened outside, and and they went off a cliff, and days passed before anyone got there, so there was no evidence. Yeah. So that is the story of the Flannan Isle Lighthouse Keeper's disappearance, and um, if you want to hear every freaking last detail possible about it go and listen to um astonishing legends uh they did like over a year ago 
they did a two or three part series about it. It's a lot of information, so. But for now, I shall ask you the ever enduring question. <laughs> Is any of that real? <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I mean, we learned on the thought experiment episode that nothing's real, but say we agree right. on the concept of an island and a lighthouse and people and all that stuff, then yeah, mm-hmm. three dudes were on an island and they disappeared. Uh, I think probably the most likely thing is that that one guy who sounds a little unhinged um, lost his mind and did some bad shit to the other guys and then was like, well, I'm going to go to jail forever or be hung. If I get caught, might as well just throw myself into the ocean. Well, and that's why he didn't need his coat, maybe. Yeah, because he knew he was going to die. Or he, like, yeah. seriously lost it in, like, a psycho scary movie way and like hunted the other men around the island and tortured and killed them and then threw himself into the sea <laughs> I wish everyone could see Sarah's face <laughs> I got really into that right now whatever that was, was. really you you had a claw going I did have a claw a dramatic claw yeah. and my chin disappeared um okay yeah I'm gonna go with that one the scary movie which actually this is good timing because isn't there a scary movie right now about a lighthouse with the twinkly sparkly vampire guy and Willem Dafoe. Have you seen the preview for this? No. What's that? Get the vampire, the Twilight kid guy. He's a man. I don't know, but this, um, there's a movie about this that came out this year, earlier this year. It's called The Vanished, I think. Oh, weird. It's about the lighthouse. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to have to find it. All right. Like, add that it. to the list of movies we have to watch. It's so long. We're going to have to have a marathon and record it. We're going to have to have a movie week. Everybody shut up, leave us alone, and go away. We're watching movies. Oh, we Goodbye. can record it like a Mystery Science Theater 3000 style, and we call it None of This is Real with two E's. Get it? Oh! oh <laughs> TM, Seriously, no I think that's a great that idea. Bad. We'll never do it. Anyway, okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> we will. We'll do it. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So that movie came out. And then, yeah, there is a movie. I want to say it's called The Lighthouse. I saw the preview. It's black and white. It looks super gritty and realistic. And it's like two dudes in a lighthouse losing their minds. Ugh, that's so scary. Yeah. It's scary because not only is the human mind terrifying, but the lighthouse situation is just, you'll if you listen to that uh, those episodes of Astonishing Legends, they talk about that for a while, like, how hard it would be to live in those conditions. Oh my gosh, it would and be awful. They say something, they, they were saying something about like, you know, how hard it is just to have a regular roommate. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> with like, And then you have to do it on a light, in a lighthouse with two other dudes. Nope. In the winter when you're not getting as much sun and you're yeah. trapped and isolated and full of toxic masculinity. <laughs> Just filled with it. They had a lot of it. They had a lot more limited resources. Yeah, I feel like that is just a recipe for three missing people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hey, can can I get your recipe for three missing people? Um, Thanks, Grandma. What do you use to make mysterious disappearance? What do you substitute? A little instead of CIA. uh, Couple. A little pinch of UFO dust. Yeah. Couple grains of sea monsters. Measure it to taste. You know, it's not, I don't have exact measurements. It's a family recipe. It's a secret. <laughs> oh, and one giant seabird. Just don't forget the giant seabird. Don't sea forget bird. the That's albatross. the key ingredient. <laughs> okay, damn it. Do you want to ask the Magic 8-Ball anything? Yes, let's ask the Magic 8-Ball 
are we the reincarnated parents of Jacopo Grinberg? Okay, well, let me grab it. It's right here. I think I sure, can... sure. This happened last time. Oh, you oh, see? I see. She's almost got. She's the the cords. The I cords. Can't get it. I can't. Damn it. Oh my god. Oh, it God. is a miracle that we have done a single episode of this podcast, <laughs> let alone however 50-some many we've made. 54, 50. I don't know, but it, it, that eight ball was just far enough out of my reach that the headphones had to come off and the earbuds had to come out. <laughs> yeah, that was fun to watch. Oh, man, a lantern. Okay. Um, what did you just say? <laughs> oh, man, I'm a lantern? Is that what you said? <laughs> I said Mano Lantern. Mano Lantern. Is that like when you <laughs> use someone's head to make a jack lantern? That's twisted. What are you talking about? It's from It's from Forty Year Old Virgin where oh they my he goes goodness. and gets waxed. He gets his chest waxed and they say they look like he looks like a mano lantern. Oh man, yeah. And that's sometimes a deep stuff cut just comes out of a mouth. <laughs> Yeah, no, I totally understand. I say, oh, my Lanta, which I believe is from Full House, so whatever. Man, oh, Lantern. And (laughs) it does sound gruesome if you don't know the reference. No, yeah, I immediately went to the darkest option possible, of course, because that's what my brain does. Yesterday, I caught myself going, oh, crap dragons. Crap dragons? (laughs) Oh, the majestic crap dragon. All right, ask the Magic 8-Ball a question. We're just talking out of our asses now. It's a Magic 8-Ball, though. That's where the real truth lies. <laughs> this is going to be scientific. Oh, Magic 8-Ball. <laughs> Please tell us, are Sarah and I the reincarnated parents of Jacobo Grinberg? Most likely. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Uh, well, well, you heard it here, folks. There you have it, folks. There we go. Yeah. Anyway, are you? Do anyway. you think you're the reincarnation of somebody? Please, if you think or know that you you or someone you love is the reincarnation of someone else you love, <laughs> call your doctor. <laughs> Would you please email us at none of this is real podcast at gmail dot com or slide into our DMs on any social media platform? Yeah, tell us all your spooky stories and your conspiracy theories and, um, you know, all about how gross your life is. <clears throat> yeah, tell us. Or you can suggest, make suggestions, what you want us to talk about. Maybe it's already on our list. You don't know. It's a long list, y'all. Shoo! We're going to be doing this podcast for, forever. Um, <clears throat> what else? Support us on Patreon. I'm going to be, I'm working on some uh, some merch stuff right now, so there'll be some new stuff coming, hopefully. And then uh, also, if you would rate and review us, that would be real great. Please. Yeah. Please do it. If you like us or even if you're just neutral, whatever, just email us. Not email us. Just rate and review (laughs) our podcast. I mean, you can email us, too, and tell us how great we are. That's fine. I'll take it. Yeah. Please rate and review us. And I don't know. I think that's pretty much it. You got anything else? No. We're we're done here. We're done here. So I, I just want to let you all know that you don't have to believe any of this. <sighs> no, you really don't. But you do have to believe on yourself. Believe all over yourself. Like all from your head to your cute little toesies. 
Yeah, get it all the way, all the way in there, underneath your toenails. Okay, that's gross. Bye. Okay, goodbye. (laughs) Bobby, what scares the crap out of you? I'll still go up to high places, but being, uh, but heights, it makes my, makes my guts feel funny. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty natural. (laughs)